Welcome to the Taiwanese Diaspora Podcast, where we use personal storytelling to connect people of Taiwanese heritage from all around the world. I am Cynthia, and I'm excited to use this podcast platform as a way to explore what it means to be Taiwanese X. This is episode 33. Today's episode is in English. 大家好，欢迎收听台湾人网络广播。我是阿秀，用这个平台来跟华侨华裔的台湾人聊他们的生活过程和未来的梦想。这是第三十三集，这集是用英文来聊。Some of you know that I haven't bought anything from Amazon in many many years, and especially during COVID, I've been really cognizant of. Trying to support my local shops as best I can, so I was really excited when Bookshop.org launched last year. I was really excited to have an alternative, even though I still love my public libraries. In any case, pretty quickly created a link, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to share. If I wanted to make it Taiwanese specific, which I was still learning about and still am, or if I want to make it a general book recommendation list for things that I read. So hopefully you are interested in reading, and we can share book recommendations, have discussions, and support local businesses. So here's my quick plug: if you make a purchase through Bookshop.org/shop/twdiaspora, ten percent of the proceeds will come back to support the show. I'll curate a list of books that I found personally interesting, not necessarily specific to the Taiwan experience, but just in general things I've been reading. And I'll continue to add, so please check that out. And I invite you to share your favorite reads with me as well, and support your local bookstores. All right, back to the show. Today we welcome William Wang to the show. He is a Taiwanese-born Canadian in the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. That's the Federal Law Enforcement Service in Canada, also known as the Mounties. In our conversation today, he shares first about growing up in Gaoshong and Vancouver, and then we chat about his passion for personal finance and the fire movement. You can learn more about all of that by checking out his podcast, The Financial Classroom. 我们今天欢迎来的来宾是在加拿大的皇家骑警当警察。他是在高雄出生，然后后来很小的时候就到。加拿大的温哥华，现在住在加拿大的另外一个省，叫 Saskatchewan， 然后中文可能叫萨斯科顿温省，不太确定发音是不是对的。他工作之外喜欢了解个人财务，然后也有开始一个 podcast 叫 The Financial Classroom， 欢迎大家去听听看。然后我们今天聊的还有聊到英文叫 Fire Movement， 中文应该。翻译成火运动，然后这个英文的是叫 Financial Independence Retire Early。那中文就应该解成财务独立提早退休啊、嗯、的一种概念。不知道中文真正叫什么，所以如果讲错的话，请听众跟我纠正。好，那我们先开始了。Hey， Hello, am I there? You are here. Okay. Cool. I think this might be my first time talking with somebody else who also has a podcast, and so therefore you also have a microphone. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is exciting. Okay, well, I guess we can get started. I want to say thanks for reaching out. Sorry for my delay in responding. 
It's all good. I just I was just r- randomly searching Taiwan on podcast and I found your thing and then just decided to listen to it and check it out. So because I love podcasting, so it's cool. Yeah. So like lots of things to talk about. So I guess like let's start off with an intro about yourself. Where are you based? Where were you born? What are you doing? And then I would love to save some time at the end to just talk about podcasting. Okay. Uh, hey everyone, my name is William. Um, I am actually in Canada. I am not in the states, and so uh, this is different. Anyways, I am 27. I just turned 27. I was born in Taiwan, and my parents moved to Vancouver, Canada, when I was in grade two. Before I finished grade two, so I started grade three in Canada and came over here. Didn't speak a lick of English, and then. Within two years, I was basically fluent. Within a year, probably, I was fluent because as a kid, you, you pick up super quick. And so I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. And so then I went through the school system in Canada and did all that. And then I graduated in 2012 from high school. And then I went to university. I took criminology type of uh, degree. And then I graduated. I, I finished my university degree in three years and then became a police officer. So now I am actually a police officer up in Canada. Cool. Okay. Uh, do you want to do an intro in Chinese or, Taiwan, or Mandarin or Taiwanese? Uh, sure. My my Mandarin is 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 not great, but uh, I can I can speak it for sure. Uh, 大家好，我是我的名字叫王建勋啊。我是台在台湾生的。我爸爸妈妈二零零二移民来到加拿大，然后我那时候二年级移民来的时候，我不太会说。英文啊， um, 所以呢，可是我那时候很小，所以所以学英文很快，然后很快的时候就找到很好的朋友，然后呀， yeah, 我就在加拿大上一年级到十二年级，然后接下来我去大学，然后学习像法律，然后警察的 studies， 然后后来啊， uh, 我现在是在加拿大的皇家骑警 RCMP。That's really cool. Do you guys、yeah. actually get to ride horses? Or is that just like a terrible stereotype? No, the, the, we have the musical ride, which is like a whole another unit. But、uh, no, we we're just regular cops. That、uh, if you've seen, like, I don't know if you've seen like those Canadian cops in red uniform and all that. That's our ceremonial uniforms.、Um, so that's kind of what we wear. But regular duty, we we just look like any other cop in the states. But kind of thing. We're gonna back up. We're gonna start from when you're really young. So you're in Kaohsiung, right? Yes, in Kaohsiung. 那你小时候，你觉得你是八八岁多才搬到加拿大？那你小时候记得在高雄有什么怀念，或是什么 special memories？ 嗯、um, ，我在高雄 ，Oh man， 嗯、um, ，我那时候我有一些好朋友，可是我现在 ，I mean， 我我那时候去一年级、二年级，可是我我没有 keep in touch， 没有没有和他们在 ，I don't know what the Chinese word is keep in touch， 联<笑>络、uh,。联络 ，OK， yeah， sorry， 啊，所以我没有再跟他们联络了。So， 嗯、um, ，Yeah， 所以我我在台湾其实没有太多的朋友。可是我记得我去夜市，然后去去一些啊、um, 餐馆。Like， 我我知道我我爸爸妈妈很喜欢星期五、星期六晚上带我们去一些一些啊去外面吃饭。可是我我其实台湾不太，他没有太多的那个什么 memories。Why did your parents decide on immigrating to Canada?、Uh, my parents decided to come here because one of the main reason was 
better life for kids. Um, but I actually talked to my dad about this and he says he was in the military in Taiwan for, I want to say 10 years. So he, it wasn't just those enlistment kind of thing. He actually stayed in the military for an extended period of time. And at the time he just saw the, I mean, it's ongoing still, but the conflict between China and Taiwan was, uh, it just wasn't great. And he, he didn't see a great future. Um, for us in Taiwan, like in terms of it, it, it is a little island, like there is like the potential is limited, like and he wanted like a better life for us. So he had friends that were already immigrating. So he decided to jump on too. So in Vancouver, it's a very, I visited once the flowers are gigantic. The food is amazing. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about life in Vancouver growing up. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, I really, I, you know what? I still remember the first day I landed in Canada because my sister and I were super little at the time. But I remember going into Superstore and uh, looking at things. And it's like $1, $2. Like I was just so mind blown because I still had the Taiwanese dollar in my head. And then uh, obviously the, the money transaction didn't, didn't hit me yet. And I remember seeing Vancouver. I thought it was a tiny, tiny city because. In Taiwan, everything is built upwards, right? So same with, I'm guessing you're in New York. Um, everything is built like upwards. So then you come to a place like Vancouver where Canada has such like massive land. So everything is built more outwards. So then I look around, it's just like everything's super short. I'm actually in Boston. So we do have like an area where oh, it is pretty tall, but like the rest of Boston is pretty flat, like mm -hmm. three story buildings kind of thing. So Vancouver now is very, very Asian heavy. Is that right? Yeah, it is. It's correct. When you came, when you were little, that was that the case in two thousand in the early two thousands already? Because you mentioned that you, you know grew what? up in a predominantly like white, I guess country, but I don't know. Maybe like the province was also. That yeah, time. yeah. It's uh, it's definitely gotten more Asian, heavy. Like especially the Chinese immigrant coming in. I remember growing up. We lived in a place called Fraser Heights, which is a pretty nice neighborhood and area. And they called it Taiwan Swin because there's a lot of. Taiwanese people at the time there and it was always Taiwan Swin like because there's like it was nice houses and stuff and like good school and stuff and um but uh now if you look around Taiwan Swin it's more like like Zongbo Swin almost because it's it's a lot of mainland Chinese people coming in now and and you see it like the housing cost is going up and driving up in Vancouver it's just you see a lot of Chinese people coming overseas with a boatload of money and then buying houses on Vancouver. So, so like, where do you go in Vancouver now? If you're getting Taiwanese food or Taiwanese culture, do you guys have like festivals and stuff like that? Yeah, there is, there is festivals. Uh, there's a city, it's all suburbs of, of Vancouver. There's a city called Richmond and it's basically, if you walk around Richmond, you're basically in Asia. It's, they got night markets at night. They have every billboards is in Asian, like, Asian language and stuff. So it, you, you won't even recognize that you're in, you're, you're in a suburb of Vancouver. Okay. Hold up. Back up. Tell us about Vancouver. Yes. Night market life. Yeah. So there's a, there's a night market in Richmond. I mean, it's, it's packed all the time. I mean, trying to get in, it's, it takes forever to get in, but it's, it is like a, yes. Like obviously the food is more expensive than Taiwan because it's North America. Yeah, there's barbecue squid, and then there is like Chinese, like tong yu bing, and then like, there's like all the kinds of like Asian dishes there. And do you have so tofu? Yes, yes, there is. So, what about that tang bao xiao tang? I 
don't know. It's been a while since I went there, um, but uh, I don't. I don't know. But they have a lot of Asian foods there. It's it's just like it's like Taiwan. Yes, obviously it's not like the scale of Taiwan, but it's definitely like it. It's like a replica of it. That's awesome. So it's like on the street. Do they block the streets? And then is it also at night? It's at nighttime for sure. I think it starts at like six p.m. or something onwards, and then uh, it's uh, it's it's not like Taiwan where you just walk into a street, street and everything. It's like a cornered off area. It's almost like a huge market, but it's like dedicated to like night market. That sounds amazing. Yeah, so it's cool. Do you know how they're operating during COVID? No clue. What's COVID like in Canada right now? Uh, where I'm at right now, it's everything is shut down, like restaurants or takeouts. Um, and, uh, we, they just came out with a rule where it's only people in your family that you can hang out, hang out with now. So Christmas is kind of a bummer because I, I'm married and my wife and I are kind of stuck with just us two. Cause you can't visit even like immediate family members if you don't live together. So what? yeah, so my wife and I are just stuck together, <laughs> kind of us two for Christmas for now. So, oh we'll man. See. I heard that Canada shut its borders. So like if I wanted to go to Canada right now, I wouldn't be able to get in. Yeah, no, I don't think you can come in right now. Vice versa too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you had some fun facts you want to share about the journey growing up. Do you have any that come to mind about like interesting stories about being a minority? Yeah, my sister was is two years older than me. Um, so she didn't, gra- she didn't come here till grade four because I was grade two. So... I don't know what it is, but that two extra years for her just made a huge difference for for her in Taiwan. I actually grew up, I was actually almost ashamed being Taiwanese. I don't know if if a lot of immigrant families or kids growing up have that. Like just being, not being Asian, but like more like, because you grow up and all your friends are white and they're, you hang out with them. And, but there's just like, it's not like they're racist or anything they're great like my best friends right now uh, my groomsmen and all that my wedding are still like my high school buddies and but it's like there's just something different like i i re- actually refuse to watch taiwanese shows i refuse to listen to like chinese music um everything that that had to do with like asian stuff i like didn't want and it was all like i was a big basketball guy so everything was that you know that western culture the hip-hop world and that's what i was into and and then it's not until i really grew up i remember like going out and if I was talking to my parents like everything was in English like I didn't want to speak Chinese especially in front of my friends like if my parents are picking me up a high like at school or if they're dropping me off everything is in English like there's no Chinese being spoken at all or Mandarin being spoken because it was just like it felt like an embarrassment like oh you know another language but now you go up and you see like I don't know if you feel the same way like you're like actually almost like reverse like you're almost like proud like I told my wife she's she's Canadian so she does she's trying to learn mandarin um but uh i told her like once our kid is born down the road like they're learning mandarin for sure like we want to have like cartoon tv shows like dolaimon like in mandarin and then have them watch mandarin cartoons so this way they can still pick up because every obviously everything we speak in this household is in english so yeah it's it's i i went back to taiwan three years ago and looking back i was actually like really moved like seeing like oh this is like my people almost it's like my culture and like you should be proud of that instead of being ashamed of it so what do you think was the switch for you and you mentioned your sister like the two years made a difference would would she speak chinese with your parents oh yeah she writes she speaks she's like all her social media is almost in mandarin it's it's the complete opposite of me like i 
I could speak it, but I'm not the greatest speaker. But same with like writing, I I can probably ten percent. <laughs> and so she is like she grew up more. All her friends were Asian, and they spoke like Chinese or Mandarin, and so like she like actually moved back to Taiwan in twenty. 15 for like four years she's back now to vancouver but she actually moved back because she was just wanted to see what it was like like actually living there for a while again and so i guess yeah we're completely different that way that's so fascinating because like yeah. in my household okay. my parents made me and my sister speak chinese all the time mm-hmm. and i would just be like <laughs> and so like it felt like a lot of times it was trying to figure out how to translate and then oftentimes there was just like was no translation or like mm-hmm. we didn't know how to translate. And so then it was like, yeah. I don't know, we would get into fights about like not wanting to speak Chinese or yeah. being forced to speak Chinese. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I was lucky in that like, uh, my, my friends from American school were all some kind of American. Um, most people were not bilingual, but then mm-hmm. like the stuff that, uh, like amongst my mom's friends were all Taiwanese. And so everything that we had to do with dinner parties and stuff were all in Chinese. Yeah. So it's always like Zhang Yibei also Jiang Zhongwen, and then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I, we have that too. Like when I go home, it, it's Chinglish, but it's my parents understand English. Like my dad's completely fluent. He he started his own company out in Vancouver after he came out here, so he's totally fluent. And my dad, my mom's taking her masters right now in at a university here. Like she she speaks it too, but we are like it was just a transition, obviously. But I I still speak mandarin for sure it's it's crazy actually because i've married a white person and all we speak is mandarin i actually don't live like close to my parents we're actually 20 hours away like i don't live in vancouver anymore so uh i don't see them super often so then i don't speak mandarin at all when because all my friends and our our good friends are all all english speaking so when i do go back to vancouver you start picking it up like really quick so it's like earlier i was trying to say uh what did I say? One word I couldn't even think of, but like once I start speaking Mandarin again, like it comes back really quick. Where do you live now? I live in Saskatchewan. It's like two provinces away from British Columbia, which is where Vancouver is. Oh, cool. My job actually posted me out here. So like the RCMP, we're a federal police force. It's not like in the States where you have a bunch of different police forces. I mean, we still have city forces, but like the RCMP mainly polices all of Canada. So we have like officers in big, big cities and we have officers in small towns and officers up north and things like that. So oh, that's really cool. In fifth grade, we learned about Canada. We had a whole, I guess, couple months study about Canada. Mm-hmm. And so I just have these like very specific stereotypes in my head about like Calgary, people just ride horses and like, have, like <laughs> rodeos and Prince Edward Island was uh Ella Montgomery's the books, yeah, and the Green Gables and all that stuff. Um. <laughs> you know what's true though? It's we are cold. Other than Vancouver and and really Vancouver, that's it. We're, we're a cold country. Like it's it gets to minus forty sometimes where I'm at. So and that should be the same as in Fahrenheit too. Yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't enjoy the cold at all. I, I don't think I'll stay in this province forever. But uh, right now, it is what it is. They posted me here, so. So I guess I'm curious about, yeah, so what you said about Chinese, I think that's, that's all true. I think that's how, I think that's part of the reason I started this podcast was also like I'd lived far enough away from my parents where I didn't speak Chinese 
mm-hmm. at all on a day-to-day yeah. basis. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you think in Chinese or do you think in English? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it depends. I feel like the older I get, the more cognizant I am of how lacking my vocabulary is in Chinese. I remember going to Taiwan three years ago. And before that, it was nine years ago before I went back. And I had to put on, a, I put on my seatbelt and I, my cousin didn't have her seatbelt on because I don't think it was a rule in Taiwan. I don't know if it is now. And I couldn't think of the word seatbelt. And it's anquandai. Like now I know, but like at the time, you just don't use that word very often. Like my parents say seatbelt, I say seatbelts all the time. And I just like, like I couldn't remember and like and but like it does go away. Like you know the words, but it just, it, it does go away sometimes. Do you know how to say emotion words in Chinese? I find that very difficult. Emotional words? Like, yeah. Like sangxing or... Or yeah, or mean. like the more nuanced ones, like um, elated or depressed or anxious. Like those are besides just yeah, like but, happy and sad. But there's like mm-hmm. my parents describe to me like as probably a grade five would talk to your parents like that, like like how our conversation. Like I can't go into like super deep topics with people in in Mandarin. Like like I'm a big finance guy, so if I start talking finance in Mandarin, there is no way I can carry a conversation because I just wouldn't know all the terms that they are in Mandarin. Same with, like you said, like some of the emotional words or something that more advanced words like that you were never used as a kid before we moved here. Like if you didn't lo- learn those words, how can you use those words? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think that's right. I think it does depend on like what I'm doing sometimes. Like if it's like something that's familiar to me as a kid, then mm-hmm. I could probably think about it in Chinese. I have to think about that. I don't know. What do you, do you think in one or the other? I think it's a mix for me sometimes. I'm probably, you know what? I tell my wife this too. When I think math, 100% in uh, Mandarin. Like, I, I count so much faster in Mandarin, like, but it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It just takes longer for me. And like, when I'm doing math, or if, if a phone number comes up, like, if someone gives me a phone number, I read it in Mandarin and like memorize it in Mandarin before I write it down or something. Whereas, like, in English, it's somehow weird. But like, daily thinking, I think in English for sure. I don't know if you do that with math too, but that's just me. That's fascinating. I remember when I was little, my mom would make me memorize the um, the multiplication table in Chinese. Yeah, like like 二四二三六二五四。Yeah, yeah. And then I for a period of time, I我去上心算课. Okay. I don't. I can't tell you exactly what it was because I don't think it came to me intuitively. But there was some kind of like suan pan. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, the the, the suan pan. But then you had to do something, manipulate it with your fingers, and then you're supposed to know the answer. And that's like a big mystery black box for me. Yeah. No, if I do multiplication, I still do it in Mandarin too, because that's what you learned as a, as a kid. So I guess that's a good segue to personal finance. How did you start a podcast in finance, or what's your interest in finance? I am very interested in finances, the, everything, a stock market to personal finance to how to save getting out of debt and all that. And so me and my buddy, actually, we, every time we get together, we talk about personal finance and how to invest and how to grow your money and all that. And we, we often talk about people want to get a job and they want to make money, but they don't learn how to let their money work for them kind of thing. And so, and nowadays people live in a society where they just want to spend everything. 
And yesterday I just looked it up. The average consumer debt in Canada is $73,000. So that's consumer debt. That's not like mortgage, right? That's like credit cards, vehicles, boats, quads, skidoos. Like if you think about it, like if you drive down to a street, you see two, two vehicles in the driveway, like brand new vehicles. If each car is $30,000, that's $60,000 right there. So like you might hear the numbers like, oh man, like $72,000 average is a lot. But like if you just drive around the regular household, like you could see what, why that number is so high and people don't understand that that kills people and like so we decided to start this podcast it's, it's more canadian geared because we don't have a ton of things out there for that and so then we decided to start this podcast and we've been going at it not super long but like we there's three of us now and it's been fun it's been a fun journey and i think you you can say the same thing with podcasting it's just fun talking to people and learning about their perspectives and hearing their stories kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'm having a lot of fun meeting people from different parts of the world, even if it's kind of through this sort of uh, medium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What makes this Canadian specific? Uh, it, you know what? There's specific topic episodes that we do that's more geared towards Canadian, but there's a lot of things that's more geared towards everyone. I'm more North Americans, obviously, but we talk about like, credit cards are they good for you like whether or not you should get credit cards we talk about student loan debt like how to get out student loans or whether or not you should get student loans and that that's more applicable to everybody and then there's also this segment it's our most popular segment it's called a six-figure millennial so millennial is like age 20 24 23 to like 35 36 somewhere there in that range and so six-figure millennial is basically millennials with over a hundred thousand dollars saved up early in life and you hear these um, millionaire stories and like People look at millionaire status as impossible, like, oh, it's so far away. But like $100,000 might not be so far away for a lot of people. So we decided to start this segment. So we've been talking to a lot of millennials who hit over $100,000 early on in life and asking them how they did it. And then we get, we kind of compile this research, almost like similar stories and how people just budget and they started investing early and they started paying off debt. And that's how they get, like, got like $100,000 early on. And it's kind of cool to hear that. and. It's been the most popular segment because people see that as an attainable thing that they want to do. And so, yeah, that's been super fun. And we've talked, we've had guests from Australia, New Zealand, Amsterdam, the States, all over Canada. So it's, it's kind of cool to just like talk to different people. Canada and much of Europe, Taiwan, Australia, I think those are all mm -hmm. uh, countries that have NHS, National Health Insurance. Yeah. So in the US, the, like healthcare is like a huge issue. What do you think are the biggest differences between advice for Canadian versus advice for U.S. with that in mind? Is, does insurance even matter in this context? Because like, for us, it's like saving money to, like when you get old and you have to pay off medical debts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for the states, there is, there is private companies for insurance, like buying through insurance or, or through certain work might have that. And I was actually just listening to a podcast between the U.S., healthcare system and the Canadian healthcare system. And we do pay more taxes. Like I pay, I think, I think I've paid over $40,000 of taxes this year already, but like, I also make, like I do a lot of overtime, but taxes is definitely higher in this country, but I'm very fortunate to have free healthcare. It's something that we take for granted. And yes, the hospital might take three times the time than somewhere in the States, but it is free. Like I was listening, the podcast I was listening to say like childbirth, for example, in the states like people have to budget for childbirth which just blows my mind like over here you have to budget for your parking meter at the hospital before you deliver a child so 
there's not a whole lot that you need to pay for. You go into the hospital, you deliver a child, and you come out. Like in the States, like it's expensive to have a child if you don't have proper insurance. Like, and if you break your arm, like you don't want to stay at the hospital overnight because you're scared of this bill that's going to come. And over here, it's just whatever. Like I had an MRI last year because my back was all messed up and it was easy. I went in, had an MRI and I left and it was all free. Nothing was charged. So we're very fortunate. Do they send you bills or anything? Like it's such a pain trying to figure out insurance bills, deductibles and co-pays, what insurance company covers what hospital, et cetera. Like it's, I guess you guys don't have to deal with that. Uh, yeah, the hospital, there's no, there's no bill, nothing. And I have extra coverage for like massage and like Cairo and physio. Like I get $5,000 a year through my job to do that. And that's, that's just pretty nuts. Like I have pretty good benefit. That's awesome. Yeah. The duty belt doesn't help though. So that's why like they have this like coverage and like we were listening to like Matt leave, like maternity leave and like Pat leave, like in the States, my understanding is some people have to bank up sick leave and like their vacation just to have time with their baby and i don't know if this is true but the podcast i was listening to said that in the states it is illegal for someone to take a newborn puppy away from its mom the first two months or the first two weeks something too but in the states somehow between a new baby and a mom like you have to find your own sick leave or bank time to have that time with your baby Whereas in Canada, we have mat leave, which is up to 18 months. So you could get paid up to a year and a half to stay at home to be with your baby. Is that through the company or is that through like a federal? That's a federal, like everyone is entitled to mat leave. If you, yeah, if you had work at any point up to a certain amount of, you had to have like a minimum amount of hours. If you have work, you are entitled to mat leave. Like everyone is entitled. Same with pat leave. Like you could have up to 18 months, I believe. That's crazy. Like here, paternity leave is a completely new concept mm -hmm. that some companies are starting to implement. But I've heard like at the most, some people will only get like two weeks if you even get that, which is crazy. I just don't know how you can raise a new baby when it's two weeks old. And like, why would you even want to go back to work after two, after just giving birth two weeks ago? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I think for maternity leave, I think some people do. I, I think a lot of places do like three months, I think might be average, but I think it's like two months plus more. I still think that's too short. Yeah, I think <laughs> we're like trying to cobble it together here and you guys are just like off for a year and a half. Yeah. Well, that's really, that's that's amazing. So, okay, so on the personal finance front, do you guys have this concept of, um, I follow some blogs where they talk about fat fire. Fire. Or fire, that maybe is, it's just what's called fire. Yeah. Fat fire is like a different type of fire, but it's fire, it's part of fire, it's a category. Okay. Yes, my wife and I are actually trying to reach fire. That is, uh, our next goal is actually to buy our house in cash and we are um, on our way there, which is kind of cool. And, and by investing early, we, we we saw huge gains too. Like um, it, it's incredible what uh, investments can do. And we are trying to reach fire. Fire is, I'll just quickly explain fire for the listeners who don't know what fire is. The best way I explain it is life is like a hamster wheel where you, you run on this hamster wheel you're told to go to school to grade 12 and you're told to go to university and graduate. And after you graduate, you're supposed to find a job that pays you between 50,000 to maybe a hundred thousand or even more if you're lucky. And then after you get this job, then you're supposed to get this new car that can drive you to your job and back. And you're supposed to get this nice house that 
impresses everyone on social media that showing that you've now made it in life. And FIRE doesn't want that. Like fin- FIRE stands for Financially Independent Retire Early. And basically the concept is people dread, a lot of people dread going to work they, or they dread the Mondays that ha- come. So they go to work Monday to Friday and then they really look forward to the weekend. And then weekend comes, they end up doing laundry or end up doing meal prep or whatever that they do. And then next thing you know, Sunday night is here and then they got to go back to work the next day. And so if people really dread that, they're just working so they can pay off that brand new vehicle that's in their driveway or that brand new boat that they bought that's in their driveway or or their six-bedroom house where they're only using two of the bedrooms in the house. And basically the concept of FIRE is that to live below your means so you don't have to drive the nicest car right away you drive a cheaper car instead of a brand new one you buy one that's maybe two or three years old at 50 percent discount and so instead of putting that extra money that you would have into a new car you're putting it into investments and letting it grow over time and then compound interest this is a whole nother topic and then it starts growing and basically the point of fire is that you'll get to the point where you can live off your investments and you don't have to work anymore so instead of buying things you're buying time to spend with your loved ones which is i think what brings happiness because ultimately when you remember happiness in life if you talk to someone who's on their dying bed or talk to any old person who's wise and they won't talk about the time that they bought the new tv that brought them happiness or they won't talk about the time in 1984 when they bought the brand new car but they'll talk to you about the time when they went to maybe, I don't know, on a trip to Mexico with their whole family or the time that they, the first child is born or some memories that they have with their kids. Like happiness doesn't mean buying the latest things. And we're in such a materialistic world where iPhone one comes out, people have to get it. iPhone two comes out three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten. Like every year people need a new phone for some reason where the old one works just as well. And instead, you take that money and invest it and let it grow over time. I think it's just a fascinating topic, something that I think a lot about, <laughs> mostly you about the Clayton Martha. But yeah. it's not clear. To, like, I think where my, my gap is like understanding what amount do I need to make to make that happen, right? So because it within FIRE, there's also like moving to a low, lower cost of living place. Um, it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean completely not working and sitting on your butt all day. Like you can be taking, you can potentially take on a different job or doing something that's more of like a passion project and like spending your time that way mm-hmm. or yeah. like working in a way like taking on. So having your investment cover, I guess, the bulk of your needs, but then having this like other job or other gig kind of covering your base basic needs mm-hmm. um, or like becoming a minimalist or not owning a house and I guess traveling the world. I don't know how people do it. Like that one's a little bit fuzzy for me yeah yeah so like retire early is like some people don't do the whole f-i-r-e they just do the f-i like when i say fire like retire early i don't mean actually like retiring just sitting at home doing absolutely nothing but it's like retiring early so you do something that you want to do for example i really like doing woodwork i love doing woodwork i like building furniture and stuff so if I can retire from my policing job down the road because I have the finances and the investment that I can pull from to live off of, then now I can do something that I love off the side. I could be technically retired early, but I'm still doing something. I'm not sitting on the couch playing video games all day. Yeah. So 
such a fascinating thing. Do you have like a threshold that you're striving for or like an age that you're striving for? At the rate we're going, we should be able to retire in like 35 years old, 36, but I'll probably keep like, I'll probably go till at least I'm 40 or, or something because I feel like that's way too young to just do. Like we don't have kids yet. So I, it also depends on how old the kids are down the road. But usually it depends on there's fat fire where you can pull from, you can live comfortably. There's lean fire. But usually 4% is the rule, 4 to 5% is the rule that you can pull from. So let's say if you have a million dollar in investment, 5% of that, you're looking at $50,000 a year that you can live off of. And and this is the investment will continue growing, but you can just pull from $50,000 a year and live off 50 grand and still be able to live comfortably. I heard kids kind of do another kind of complete twist to the to the financials though. But maybe not for in Canada because you don't have to pay for daycare and you don't have to pay for ridiculous college and stuff like that. Daycare you have to pay for, but my, I guess I'm in shift work. So my wife's a teacher. So she, we already discussed this. She'll sell for the first whatever amount of years that it takes before the kids go to school. And then on the days that I work night shift or like, or I'm off because you work four on four off sometimes. And when you're off, you can just take care of the kids and she'll go do subs here and there. So she'll still have her license. And then when the kids are school age, she's a teacher, so she'll just bring the kids to school when she goes to work, which works out really well. It sounds like you guys figured it out. Yeah. What a cool dream and like goal. Yeah. Yeah, no, like personally, I think the fire movement is really cool. I don't have kids right now. No, it's 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 fascinating. And yeah, we we, we love it. And it's something that we're striving towards. And it's not the norm. Not everyone does it. So. But I think it's becoming much more of a popular concept now. Or maybe that's just because of the people I surround myself with and like the mm -hmm. news I'm reading up on. Well, it's good to hear that you're surrounding yourself with people or who aspiring are to be fire, <laughs> like actually passionate about exactly. Cause at least you're not in the other crowd where you're like, Oh, do you have the latest Gucci handbag? Like, like, cause that's a whole nother crowd there. Like you see people who are <laughs> but like, there are people like keeping up with the Jones is a real thing. Right. And I still remember pulling up at a stop sign uh, at a, at a red light. This is probably like six months ago. My wife and I, we have this, we have a newer truck, but we also have this beat up like high school, I mean, university student type of vehicle. It's like a 2005 Ford Taurus. It's got a crack on the side. And we pulled up at a red light and a BMW or Mercedes pull up on the side. And my wife is just like, turns to me and it's like, ah, oh, sometimes I just wish like we had like, like a brand new vehicle or something. I'm like, first of all, we have like a brand new truck at home that has no payments, it's debt free. But I was just, I was just like, would you, I, I straight up asked my wife this. I said, would you rather have this vehicle right now? No, that vehicle beside us right now or my bank account. And she knows how much we have in our bank account. And I could have bought, I could probably buy three or four, probably five of those in cash. But we, I was sitting beside her. I was like, would you rather have that vehicle, which is they're probably making payments on based on statistics or have my bank account? And she turns to me, she's like, you're right. I'd rather have your bank account because not like bragging or anything, but it's just like, we've lived such a frugal lifestyle. So now instead of having that, we can retire early and spend time with our loved ones, which is the ultimate goal, which I think is so much more important than having a Mercedes or, and no knocks on Mercedes whatsoever. If, if you can afford it, go right ahead. Okay. So passion projects you want to do, you have like woodworking and other things. Like, are there, like, do you have travel planned as part of your fire goals? 
Yeah. Yeah. So if I was, if I do the whole 25 years with the police force, I'll be 47 and I should be able to retire with a full pension and I'll have an investment to pull in. And my job, my wife hopefully has her pension down the road too. So that's three incomes to do nothing. And so our goal is to travel lots down the road. We wanted to go to Taiwan this year. Actually, uh, my wife has never been and she really wants to go visit Taiwan and obviously COVID happens. So, uh, that's us. We can't do that. So we're hoping next year or the year after to visit Taiwan, but we, we really want to travel all of Asia. She loves Asian food. She, yeah, she's been to China twice and I've been to China zero times. So she's technically more Asian than me already, basically. <laughs> um, and so it's, uh, yeah, we want to travel and visit the world. I really want to check out Vietnam or Thailand or we love New Mexico. We went there for a honeymoon like two, three years ago and um, want to go back again. And I think that's just something I want to do down the road for sure. That's awesome. I think we'll have to have you guys or have you or your partner or both of you back for a future episode. Sure. Do a deep dive on a topic. She could practice her Mandarin. That would be really fun. <laughs> Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we make a plug for your podcast? Uh, my biggest advice for people out there, like just because if you're Taiwanese and you're listening to this, if you're a young kid, don't be ashamed of who you are. And because I made the mistake of that as a kid, you get, you're influenced by so many things growing up and just be proud of who you are. And if you yeah, if you're like me, who I'm more of like an active person, outdoorsy, I was pretty popular in high school. And just like, don't try to chase something that you're not. Um, embrace who you are and live below your means. <laughs> I have to get a financial tip there. So Cool. All right. Well, let's make a plug for your podcast. Cool. So tell us what it is, where we can find it, and how to contact you. Yeah, it's called The Financial Classroom. And it's you can contact us financialclassroom at gmail.com i also have a instagram my personal instagram is william wang w-a-n-g 9312 the financial classroom is our is our podcast and we pump out probably one or two episodes a week usually right now we're going yeah it's been it's been fun we have a lot of guests like there's i think 20 or 30 guests that's wanting to come on and we just can't get everyone on right now, but it's been fun. And yeah, check us out. And if you want to come on or if you're a six-figure millennial, feel free to message us and give us a shout out and we will try and get you on too. Awesome. So as a fellow podcaster, what tips do you have for podcasting? Because you, you're training them out much faster than I am. I take forever to edit and maybe I shouldn't be editing. You're also by yourself. So we have three people, which helps. Like, so me and a buddy, we split editing. And there's a girl that podcasts with us and she is in charge of the social media side of things. So, and then I'll be like, we're doing some sponsorship things. So I'll be doing that on my end. And then, so my biggest advice, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert in podcasting by any means, but it's just to keep it consistent and to just, don't give up. And same with like, if you're starting a YouTube channel or you're starting anything, just keep it consistent and reach out to your audience and do something that you're really passionate about. So you can keep talking about it. Like for example, this podcast with Cynthia, like 
clearly you're passionate about Taiwan and, and people of Taiwanese descent. And so you could talk about this forever. And just like us, we're really passionate about finances. So I can talk about that forever. So do something that you're really passionate about, because if you don't like it, you won't continue it. So that's my biggest advice. And if you're podcasting, get a mic, because that's really key. <laughs> yes, that is actually very true. I made so many beginner mistakes about thinking my mic was on and then it was recording off of my laptop and yeah. the sound quality is yeah. terrible. <laughs> That's happened before and it, you can't, you got to do what you got to do. So yeah, so it's been fun. Thank you, yeah. William, for coming on. This was amazing. We'll have to yeah. pick a different one another time. Yeah, for sure. No, it was, it was good to come on and thank you for having me. It was a blast. And that's it for today. Please send me a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at T-W-D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A or shoot me an email. It's hello at TaiwaneseDiaspora.com. And if you or other people you know have stories that they'd like to share on this podcast, please send them my way as well. Some of you have asked about how to support the show. So if you are inclined, go to Coffee ko-fi.com slash t-w-d-i-a-s-p-o-r-a to donate and if you like to read check out my book recommendations at bookshop.org slash shop slash t-w-d-i-a-s-p-o-r-a and 10% of the proceeds will come back to support the show all right see you next time